0: Hey y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Hi there. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we sift through the artifacts of history seven days a week. The day was February 27th, 1932. The journal Nature published a letter by the English physicist James Chadwick The letter was called Possible Existence of a Neutron. Up until this point, science held that the atom contained a positively charged nucleus, or central core, that was surrounded by negatively charged electrons. And scientists knew that most of the mass of the atom was at its core. But Chadwick's research confirmed the existence of a subatomic particle that had about the same mass as a proton but did not have an electric charge. Chadwick's findings marked a major milestone in atomic theory and led to experimentation with developing an atomic bomb. But many other scientists helped pave the way for Chadwick to make his discovery. Chadwick got his master's degree in physics at the University of Manchester, where he worked with noted physicist and so-called father of nuclear physics, Ernest Rutherford. Then he went to Germany to study under Hans Geiger, of Geiger counter fame. After spending years in a prison camp during the First World War, Chadwick went back to England to study with Rutherford again, this time earning his doctorate at the University of Cambridge. And in 1923... Chadwick was appointed assistant director of Cambridge's Cavendish Laboratory, where Rutherford was director. And there, the two of them worked on the transmutation of elements by bombarding them with alpha particles and researched the structure of the atomic nucleus. Rutherford postulated that there had to be something else in the atomic nucleus besides protons. Why was the atomic number Or the number of protons in an atom's nucleus, usually about half the mass number. Rutherford answered this question in 1920 by suggesting that a proton and electron combined to form a neutral particle that was roughly the same mass as a proton. But this neutral particle would be hard to detect since most techniques at the time measured charged particles. By about a decade later, other scientists were working on the problem. German physicist Walter Both and his student Herbert Becker were doing experiments bombarding beryllium with alpha particles emitted from polonium, and they found that the beryllium emitted a highly penetrating radiation as a result. They interpreted that radiation to be high-energy photons— which are particles that represent a quantum of electromagnetic radiation. But Chadwick thought that this radiation might instead consist of the neutral particles his mentor, Rutherford, had proposed. And in 1932, Chadwick's interest was piqued when Irene and Frédéric Joliot-Curie decided to study the mysterious radiation. They studied the radiation as it hit a block of paraffin wax, and they found that the radiation ejected protons from the hydrogen atoms in the paraffin wax, and the protons recoiled with a high velocity. Irene and Frédéric thought that the radiation had to be high-energy gamma photons. But Chadwick thought that since photons have no rest mass, they couldn't possibly knock heavy protons out of the paraffin wax. So that same year, Chadwick did similar experiments at the Cavendish Laboratory. He used paraffin wax in the experiments, but he also used other targets, like helium, nitrogen, and lithium. After comparing the energies of the protons that were knocked out, he was able to determine that there was likely a neutral particle with a mass that's slightly more than a proton's. After experimenting for only a couple of weeks, Chadwick published Possible Existence of a Neutron. And in June 1932, Chadwick's paper titled The Existence of a Neutron was published in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society A. Chadwick received the Hughes Medal from the Royal Society of London for his discovery in 1932. And in 1935, he got the Nobel Prize for Physics for his discovery of the neutron. But even though his discovery made waves in physics based on its importance to the knowledge of atomic structure, it had implications far beyond that. The discovery of the neutron led to the fission of the uranium nucleus, which produced a ton of energy and inspired the creation of nuclear weapons. During the Second World War, Chadwick worked on the Manhattan Project, the U.S. government research and development endeavor that produced the first atomic bombs. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. We'd love it if you left us a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Podcast. We'll be back with more history tomorrow. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Eve's, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that really takes to heart the phrase "You learn something new every day." The day was February 27th, 1973. A group of Oglala Lakota activists and members of the American Indian Movement took control of the town of Wounded Knee in South Dakota. The conflict that ensued lasted for 71 days. Wounded Knee, on the Pine Ridge Reservation in southwestern South Dakota, is a site of significance in U.S. and Native American history. In 1890, members of the U.S. Army killed hundreds of Lakota at Wounded Knee. The site of the massacre was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1965. Three years later, the American Indian Movement was founded in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The group aimed to address the economic, cultural, and political needs of Native American people, and it fought to restore lands that were illegally seized from Native Americans. Many of its protests got a lot of media attention, like the occupation of Alcatraz from 1969 to 1971. Of course, the movement had its detractors, who saw its participants as too militant. Wounded Knee was not only historically significant. In the 1970s and today, many people who lived on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation faced serious poverty. Richard Dick Wilson was the tribal chairman of the Oglala Lakota on the reservation. But many of the Aglala who lived in Pine Ridge were unhappy with the tribal government and thought that Wilson was a corrupt instrument of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Some said that he favored Lakota who assimilated, and he shut down protests that Aglala Lakota began when they faced racial violence. Many of the tribe's people called for Wilson's impeachment, but the effort to impeach Wilson failed. Tribal leaders were also frustrated with the U.S. government's failure to fulfill treaties and its general mistreatment of Native Americans. So some of the Oglala Lakota members looked to the American Indian Movement for help. Tribal leaders aimed to renegotiate the terms of past treaties and to declare Wounded Knee as the independent Oglala Nation. On February 27, 1973, around 200 Oglala Lakota and members of the American Indian Movement occupied Wounded Knee. Soon, the occupation became violent. The federal government set up roadblocks around the area. Federal marshals and the National Guard traded fire with the protesters. A ceasefire was called on March 10th, but more Oglala Lakota supporters showed up at the site of the occupation. The conflict continued for more than three months after it began, and it got a lot of media coverage. But the death of Aglala Lakota tribe member Buddy Lamont drove many Aglala to put an end to the occupation. They began negotiations with the government, and on May 8th, they surrendered once officials agreed to look into their issues. In total, two Aglala Lakota died and several others were wounded. One federal agent was shot and paralyzed. Many members of the American Indian Movement left Wounded Knee before they could be arrested. But others, like leader Russell Means, were arrested. Nearly all those arrested were acquitted because evidence was mishandled. But even after the occupation ended, violent conflict between the U.S. government and Oglala Lakota continued. Wilson was re-elected tribal chairman in 1974. I'm Eve Chefcoat. And hopefully, you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Keep up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. Or if you want to get a little more fancy, you can send us an email at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here again tomorrow with another episode.